eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Let's get to it. Episode three of the flagship podcast. Fresh from the home of horns247.com. Fresh from the live chats. Fresh from the, uh, well, the eyes of Texas. You know, we're putting that together too. It's, It's always something that we're cooking up for our our fans, our readers, our members, our family members at horns247.com. I am Chip Brown, joined by Taylor Estes. Taylor, how are you doing? I am doing great, Chip. How are you doing? Well, I'm doing okay. I'm trying to decide if I'm doing better than Texas football or not. <laughs> I you think know, it, yeah. I think it depends I mean, on who, whose side are we talking about. Are we talking about the team side? Or are we talking about the fans? I mean, the <laughs> You know, the people that have a stake in the program, which which ones are you referencing here? Yeah, let's let's get into that because it's kind of the worst case scenario has happened, right? They they look un unprepared, ill prepared, not even prepared for Oklahoma and look like they didn't even practice. They're certainly on offense in that game. Uh still only lose by seven. Um, and I said last week when Mac Brown's teams were ill-prepared or not prepared or looked like they hadn't practiced, they lost by 50. Right. But, um, but then they followed up with the, you know, the season flashing before your eyes win against Kansas, the same team that ended the Charlie Strong era. And I'm sure Texas fans with a minute 11 left on Saturday night. I mean, you and I were sitting with Jeff Howe, right. our, our, team, our teammate at Horns. 247.com and everybody needs to be a member there. If you're not, come on. What 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 what's what are you waiting for? We're the best uh, best site, best staff, uh, all the best expertise. But we were sitting there and Jeff Howe said, you know, they can lose this game. I think that was like with about um, 11 minutes left in the game. Yeah. Then with like 7 minutes left he's like, you know, Texas can lose this game. <laughs> and then with 3 minutes and 30 seconds left he's like, is Texas going to lose this game? Yeah. And then with a minute 11 left, he's like, Texas is going to lose this game. <laughs> um, and it, it was that close. And, and Texas fans would have been off the rocker. I mean, I had fans texting me saying, do you think Tom Herman would have lost his job if Texas had lost that game? I don't even want to think like that. Don't even want to think about it. Yeah, no, for sure. I mean, but, I feel like we all had PTSD, like sitting in that press box, to be honest. we were. I mean, I was just thinking about the meltdown that ensued <laughs> from the 2016 loss. And I was like, oh, my gosh, like, this is going to be terrible. Because at least that loss, I think to some Texas fans were like, well, change is coming. <laughs> if Texas would have lost to Kansas this time, my goodness, when it's a 5-2 and two team and 
Your only two losses are to now top five teams in the country. I mean, I, I, I was sit, I was just like probably grinding my teeth, like so worried and so like nervous about what could lie ahead for us <laughs> as moderators of <laughs> the, uh, you know, a message board community there. So, uh, but still, I mean, I don't know if it was much better, right? I mean, and fans rightfully say, you know, Tom Herman talked about it at his Monday press conference that fans should be disappointed, even though Texas lost because there's a standard and, you know, no knock to Kansas or anything. It's just the fact of the matter is that's not the Texas standard. But under Tom Herman, I feel like you kind of see that they actually play to their opponent's standard a lot of times. Happened a lot last season, happened a lot year one where we saw it, I think, against Kansas. So it's kind of interesting, you know? Yeah, and I thought that – with and look, there are circumstances. There are circumstances. Mm-hmm. Uh, we talked about if you're a player-led team, you play to your own standard. Unless you're down six starters on defense <laughs> like Texas was to start that game with Malcolm Roach suspended. Then he comes back from suspension – makes a huge play on the blocked extra point that Deshaun Jameson scooped and scored. Um, We'll get to the positives in that game here in a second, but you know, it, it, it's been a mess and and it's, you have to take that into consideration as much as no one wants to take it into consideration. Look, there's a reason the healthiest teams in the NFL make the playoffs, the teams with the fewest injuries, the teams who, I mean, when Texas won the national championship in 2005, one player missed one game. One starter missed one game, Brian Robinson. Wow. Every other starter played every minute of every game until the coaches decided we're up enough that you can, you know, we're putting the substitutes in. Mm-hmm. So that, that stuff matters. And, and here's the thing. You're right. There is PTSD. Because of all this bleep that happened in the three losing seasons and even in the sort of catastrophic finishes um, in 2017, the, the, the are you kidding me losses, the, the turnovers, you know, I mean, it, it, look, they, Texas fans are, they're beat up, they're tired, they want, they saw the Sugar Bowl, they saw the OU game last October and they, they're like, okay. And then they heard Sam Ellinger say, I'm on, I'm on a mission to get back here and make sure we never feel this way again. So everybody's thinking Big 12 title and that Kansas game took them right back to 2016. Yeah, no doubt about it. And it's funny oh. It's funny that you – so bringing up the injuries, you know, I know that Texas fans are saying injuries aren't an excuse. And I understand that mentality. And honestly, after that game, I was kind of – just dumbfounded about what we saw. And I also thought it was kind of surprising to see a walk-on who had moved to running back actually on the field for the defense when the game was on the line in the fourth <laughs> quarter. And I'm thinking about this. I'm like, this is absurd. I've never seen this. So my father-in-law was a longtime uh, coach in the state of Texas. He thirty coached for 30-plus years. He just retired. This is his first season not coaching. So I think I, think, uh, I call him coach. I think coach is a little bit uh, – you know, missing the game a little bit. So every single, every time I talk to him, we talk about football. And almost every single Sunday we talk after Texas games and just kind of go over, you know, I've always leaned on him as a, you know, just kind of an X's and O's type of guy that I could rely on who's going to teach me the ins and outs of that. So 
he calls me Sunday and he's like, I need to ask you one thing. He's like, you cover Texas. You've been watching this team. You've been watching this program under Tom Herman for the last three seasons. In your opinion, do you see that injuries are making a direct impact with the play on the field on defense? And I was like, no doubt about it. Like, didn't even have to think twice about that. And he tells me, he goes, it does not matter what level of football it is, whether it's high school, whether it's college, or whether it's professionals. If you see a unit or a side of the ball that's struggling so much and you compare it to the injury report, he's like, fans don't want to hear this, but nine times out of ten, they match up exactly. And he's like, Texas has enough talent across the roster to where if, you know, one guy goes down at a position or something, there it's the next man up mentality. And he goes, I can't think of another team out there besides like an Alabama or a Clemson maybe that has enough depth and enough key talent in like one position group that they would be able to even overcome this. And he's talking about the secondary. And that was a really interesting point. He's like, if the, if the injuries on defense were spread across the defense, then, you know, people could say injury shouldn't impact it. He's like, but I do not know many teams that would be able to overcome this many injuries at one position group. And I think that's something that you kind of have to think about, you know, coming out of that game. And the good thing for Texas is after this TCU game, they have a bye. So hopefully you see guys, you know, like Caden Stearns and B.J. Foster coming back fully healthy and Jalen Green, you know, coming back. I mean, that could be a difference maker, too. So it'll be interesting to see how this team looks after the bye week. Yeah, no question about it. Um, All right. Let's. So I thought there was some interesting context when we talked to the players, didn't you? Oh, yeah, absolutely. All right. So Malcolm Roach. Yeah. So he he brought up a really good point, and I think it's something that it just shows you how short your mind or you know your memory can really be. But here, let me let me play this audio for you, Chip, um, of what Malcolm Roach said um, when asked about you know being a really close win over Kansas. Uh, we have a lot of confidence. Uh, you know, we was kind of in the same predicament last year. We beat uh, Tulsa by a touchdown. At the end of the day, we ended up winning the Sugar Bowl. Y'all still remember we beat Tulsa by a touchdown? I, I doubt it, but I do. So, you know, at the end of the day, it's a win and a, it's a W in the win column. And, uh, you know, we're going to move far from them. All right, Chip, what are your thoughts on that comment? Yeah, I mean, I think this is interesting because it's a player perspective and it's the players who are the ones who are out on the field having to uh, defend this program and execute the game plan. And I think Malcolm Roach is a guy who's respected. I think he's a captain for a reason. And if he's saying, hey, look, do y'all remember when we lost to, to Tulsa? It was a one-score one game and everybody was losing their minds and we went on to win the Sugar Bowl? I do. And I mean, he said, you know, y'all probably don't. And here's, here's – there are two things to this. A, if Texas gets healthy – well, first of all, if they can beat TCU, I mean if they can scratch and claw and crawl over broken glass to get this win, no matter how ugly, no matter what, just a one-point win and get to the off week and get healthy and get on a roll – no one will remember the Kansas game. No, you're right. Because they'll, they'll be too busy getting excited over beating Iowa State and beating Baylor and going to the Big 12 championship game again. 
And I think that's what Malcolm Roach's point was. As of right now, our two losses are to two top five teams. Okay, we had a close game with, with Kansas. If we go on and do the things that we've set as our goals, no one's going to remember this. And that's healthy mm-hmm. from a player perspective. I, if I'm a fan, I'm happy to hear Malcolm Roach say that. Right. Yeah, it's not, it's not doom and gloom. And the reality is, you know, we've known Malcolm Roach. We've been around him now for, you know, four years covering him at Texas. He's not the type of guy that's going to – he's not going to – if he's going to tow the company line, he's just not going to say anything. You know, he's, he's pretty open, in my opinion, for players. Um, and that will happen sometimes when they get to se- their senior year. But I feel like he, he's more going to be the guy that's like, almost like a quandary digs and just tell it how it is. So to hear him say that – you know, I think I thought it was really interesting because he's, you know, how you mentioned, he's a captain. He's part of that leadership committee. I mean, you know, this is kind of where you're like, all right, let's see. Let's see where this team truly is from how, you know, depending on how elite they are and how well they're going to be having that one and no mindset and um, overcome this adversity. So it'll be it'll definitely be interesting. There's no doubt about that. Yeah. And I think that, look, Here's the other thing that I wanted to ask you about, um, because Tom Herman definitely, when he got pressed about the the defense and all the yards given up, 48 points given up to Kansas, he he talked about how the you know the defense he it's next man up, and even though we started nine freshmen or sophomores. We have guys who've been in the program two to three years who should be able to play man and quarters coverage. Mm-hmm. To me, that was that was a call out to his his defensive coaching staff. And I want to see how well this defensive coaching staff, the players, respond to Tom Herman this week because it's it's Tom Herman's job, no matter what, no matter what the circumstances are, to get the best out of his players and come up with a game plan that puts them in the best positions to succeed. Right. And they this week is going to be like a Sudoku puzzle <laughs> because Gary Patterson is – he will stay up all night, every night this week trying to find a weakness that he can exploit um, on – on Texas's offense, if 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 Alex Grinch was twisting and stunting for three and a half hours and and nine sacks later, I guarantee you, Gary Patterson's going to have some variation of that this Saturday. Oh no doubt. I mean, you know, I know that TCU from a turnover standpoint in Big Twelve play hasn't been you know good, but one thing that you can't count out is a Gary Patterson defense. I mean. I don't care if it's, you know, middle of the pack in the Big 12. It's still a solid, you know, like a good defense usually because of what you mentioned. He's the type of guy he's going to be game planning for. He's going to be looking exactly at what Oklahoma did because the Texas offensive line really was performing well leading up into that Oklahoma game, in my opinion, like probably better than what I had anticipated it being this season after losing so many starters from last year. So there is absolutely no doubt I mean, Gary Patterson probably saw that game and was just looking his chops, like thinking, oh, my gosh, nine sacks against Sam Ellinger. Like, that will be the dagger. You know, I mean, to this week he talked about Sam being the difference in Texas this season. So you bet there's going to be a heavy, heavy 
you know, attack Sam Ellinger type of game plan coming from TCU's defense. Yeah, and I, and I want to see how this Texas team reacts across the board. People are doubting them. Vegas has them, had them as an underdog. Then the line moved to a pick them. Um, I mean, everybody's doubting Texas right now. And how does Tom Herman get his message across to his coaches, to his players, and how do they respond to it? I think this is it's a huge point in the season because if you can get the win and get to your off week, you're probably getting Caden Stearns back after that. Jordan Whittington, um, your BJ Foster is going to be healthier. Demarvin Overshawn is going to be healthier, and you know we haven't seen BJ Foster be himself for since the West Virginia game, right? Uh, and he even came up with an inter- interception in that game, but you know he hasn't been he hasn't been the heavy hitter that that he's known for. He's hurt, and and so if they could just get this win and get to the off week, I think we start to see a different football team. Yeah, no doubt about it. You know, let's, um, let's bring in Horns 24 seven publisher, Bobby Burton, who uh, pretty much created the, uh, in the online recruiting industry, the online uh, team side industry with rivals.com. Let's get his opinion on both, you know, look back at Kansas and moving forward, what needs to happen. So let's go to Bobby. Hey, Bobby, how is it going? Uh, you know, it's going, I think, uh, I, and I, I say that. We're not and, sure uh, if it's going off the rails or on the rails or. I, I, I was going to say, I think it's apropos for the Texas Longhorn football season. My answer, you know, it's going, it's going They're They're five and two. And from the outside looking in five and two is pretty good. Ranked. Uh, but from the inside looking out, what is it? Um, and I think for the people that were in the stands or or saw the game on Saturday night, they know something's going on with this Texas football team that just doesn't, it's not passing the smell test. And so, uh, the defense right now feels rotten (laughs) or smells rotten, I guess. Uh, and, uh, you know, having to kick a last second field goal to beat Kansas at home is, is not what a Texas program aspires to. So yeah, that's how it's going chip. (laughs) Yeah. And Tom Herman said uh, this week on the big 12 coaches call, you know, we're five and two and, and it feels like we're two and five, you know? And he said, you know, to, to a lot of fans, it feels like we're two and five. And he said, and that's okay. Expectations. And, and, uh, and here we go. Well, let's get into it, Bobby, because this is an intriguing week. Two, two outcomes that obviously don't sit well with the the fan base and shouldn't probably sit well with with players in certain instances. Um, the, the just complete uh, seem, seemingly lack of preparation or lack of sharpness against OU, and then. Um, you know, look, an inspired Kansas with a new offensive coordinator and a veteran quarterback and some good skill talent uh, beat up on a on a beat up Texas defense. Um, but my God, a season flashing before your eyes, uh, final drive to a 33 yard field goal. No time left to beat Kansas um, will send a shockwave through um, through the through everyone uh, affiliated with Texas football. Um, and so, you know, TCU. And, and this is 
this looks like a trap, right? TCU three and three, one and two in Big Twelve play. Their offense has a young quarterback. They have good skill talent, but it's not clicking. There seems to be tension between Gary Patterson and Sonny Cumby. So, you know, who can who can mask their flaws the best this week, right? Yeah, and I, I think you look at that and I look. I think this is a, a a week where Texas can kind of hit the reset button. I mean, I know that they're still a week away from a bye, but after the last two performances, Chip, they have to hit the reset button or else there's no doubt who's going to win the game, and it's going to be the the purple people. Yeah. So I, I think, you know, if I'm looking at it, um, the thing that Texas has to do this week is stop the run. Um, if they stop the run against TCU – then I think it's it, it forces this freshman quarterback to to maybe do more than what he's capable of today. I think he's going to be a good player in time, but right now um, he's you know he's he's just young. He's a young guy, and I think it's it's taking time. And so if Texas can make TCU one dimensional. Um, then I think they're looking at a, a, a situation where Texas can score enough points to beat TCU, even though I, I still think Gary Patterson's one of the brightest defensive guys in the country, although uh, a lot of people have, frankly, they've copied him so much now that, that everybody's doing it and has their own version of it, so it's not quite as unique as it once was. Um, but uh, I, I just feel like Texas has to, has to stop the run um, as part of this whole reset and then if they can do one thing right then you can start looking at the the secondary and other pieces of the puzzle but start with the basics first and that that means tackling and that means getting off blocks and and uh doing the same thing what where are you at on on the situation and, and where texas sits right now with as it relates specifically to you know this game and whether or not is this an opportunity for them to hit the reset button for you? Is this a continuation? Where, where are you at? Yeah, no, I think it, it, to me, this is survive and get to the off week and get some guys back. Um, because in talking to Todd Orlando tonight, it's clear that it is, um, it's been a strain for Todd Orlando to balance his scheme and what he wants to do with what the players he has on the field are capable of doing. And in the moment, he said, I've, I've made some mistakes. We, we've got to do a better job of making sure that, that the calls that we have aren't just what we want to do, it's what we can do. And, and so, look, that's a challenge. There's no question about it. But when you go up against TCU, this is a team that has owned Texas um, four of the last five years. And, and really, last year, TCU was in charge of this game for two and a half quarters. It wasn't until Caden Stearns intercepted a pass, returned it to the two, and set up um, the offense that Texas started to turn that game around. And, and you know, this is going to be a holy war for Gary Patterson. So if Tom Herman doesn't have, I think this is a great test of Tom Herman's ability to have this team sharp 
at a time where they're going to see the record of TCU at three and three, one and two in the league, coming off two straight road losses, and might have a, a, a propensity to think that okay, we we can get through this, or just be flat. And and if they do, I agree with you. I think TCU will will you know kick them in the face. So uh, I think this is a real test of Tom Herman's ability to inspire a, a busted up group. Um, but your offense with Sam Ellinger, who is going to be the best player on the field, you should win this game. I mean, Sam Ellinger and your running your running game of Keontae Ingram and Rashawn Johnson and Colin Johnson and Devin Duvernay, the offense should be able to beat a TCU defense that has struggled to rush the passer, um, has had inconsistency and an inability to turn people over. Not one forced turnover in Big 12 play for TCU. I mean, that's just not that's just not typical of Gary Patterson defense. So I think the advantage is clearly the Texas offense over the TCU defense. And and Texas should win this game by a touchdown in my mind. Yeah, you're saying that Gary Patterson, that's atypical for Gary Patterson. Yes, it is. The one thing that he has always done to Texas, in my opinion, if, is he has found the one fault they have on offense or the multiple faults they have and really hit those home in a, in a game. Um, and I, I wonder, just thinking about it, I wonder if the, the really problem – right now with Texas isn't from both its golf twists up front between Angelou and Braun. They just don't seem to, they're just not getting it. Um, and it not only did it, you know, really look bad against OU, it didn't look all that much better against Kansas. Um, and so if I, you know, Gary Patterson's good at that. And so I, th- I think that's, that's going to be something for us to watch. I do have a question for because you said holy war and that made me think of one thing um as it relates to to this game and that's patterson's always had this you know burr in his saddle yeah absolutely i mean you know what i'm getting at he's got a little bit about of a texas little man, little man yep. syndrome as it yep. relates to the, that at, at times all coaches that play it that are that coach at smaller schools for a long period of time do it's and, and to be frank you know, Gary Patterson has been one of the best coaches in this conference since he's been there, yet he doesn't necessarily always get the respect that that you would if he were at Texas or OU or wherever, right? And so I, I get it, but I want to take it a step further. How much does it mean now that Chris Del Conte, his former employer, is now the head guy in charge of UT? Right, and this Come is in, any at all for Gary, or or you think this is uh, that's just another another thing? You know? I think it's I think it's just another thing, um, but it's it's Del Conte's first trip back to to TCU um, for a football game, and and so you know I think this is there's a lot of emotion in this. Now my question is, does Gary Patterson have the guys? to carry out the mission because I agree with you. He is the Belichick of the big 12. I mean, he, 
he tailors his scheme specifically each week to take away what you do best or try to make you left-handed. And, and that's something I think Texas fans are hoping and waiting to see from Todd Orlando uh, and with a little bit more specificity as opposed to, you know, cookie cutter concepts in, in terms of either the blitz and, um, you know, some nuance to it. But, um, you know, I think you're right. I think there's a lot of emotion in this. Uh, I just wonder if he has the horses. I, they don't, I, I know they are really whipping their defensive ends. Uh, Shamik Blackshear, the, the transfer from South Carolina, um, and O'Shawn Mathis to get more out of them because they, they had first round picks or a first and a second round pick last year with, with Benagu and, and LJ Collier. So, um, you know, Gary's not a real patient guy. He can burn his team out too. We've seen that. Um, I, I just think these teams are, they're both, their coaches are both kind of hot right now, irritable. Um, and, and I, you know, they, they're impatient and, I think there's a lot of similarities here, and I think the coach that can can get the most out of their out of their guys, get them fired up and excited, and not try to you know shame them or or you know I don't know press them into a better performance. I think that team is going to win. Yeah, good luck with that. <laughs> I, I don't I don't think a leopard changes its spots, so I don't. I, if that's the way both of them coach, that's the way they're going to Let me ask you this, Bobby, because Ellinger, look, Ellinger is, when he's on, he's, is you know, he's special. When he looks ill-prepared or I just feel like Tom and Sam felt like it was going to be an easier day against OU than than it turned out to be, and it, it was embarrassing. I don't know how you could ever feel that way in that game. But I, I think I want to – I want to – I want to take you to task on something real quick because I just, I disagree with you. Uh, um, not and take you to task is maybe the wrong way. I want to have this disagree. Discussion. Yes. Okay. I want to have the discussion because I don't necessarily agree that Sam Ellinger is always the best player on the field. Frankly, I think that when he can't run as a bailout, he struggles. Um, not, not more than the average, not more than your average good quarterback, but he struggles. And I think that the off, therefore, the offense as a whole struggles when Sam Ellinger can't make third and six with all the receivers covered. There's a spy. And I think um, that's what, uh, that is what OU did, where to date, nobody really else that, that Texas has played has done. And as as much as the sacks and negative yardage and getting behind the chains cost them at OU, I think Kenneth Murray also cost him at OU. Yep. Because he swallowed Sam up he did. on stuff. Um, and so I, I disagree. I, look, I think I think Sam Ellinger is a leader. I think he's uh, the face of the Longhorn program. I think he's a, a very good player. I think when you take the running game away from him, and I and I almost I would bet that's what uh, Gary Patterson plans to do. I think you can you can make him into uh, mortal. Yeah, you know you can make him less than 
Superman, which, you know, throwing for 400 yards and running for 100 or whatever he did against Kansas was ridiculous. Yeah. But that, uh, that, that would be my one um, caveat to all of this is that you just, you just don't know um, a, a, about that situation. Yeah. I mean, he's had a couple of rough weeks and, um, you know, really poor decision on his interception against Kansas at a horrible time. I mean, you turn okay. it over at your own 16, your own 36 in the final 10 minutes of the game and Kansas scores 17 points after Brandon Jones goes out with 721 left because your offense put the, the defense in a horrible position. It, it And then he accounts for no touchdowns against OU, the only game in his college starting career, complete game, where he he's not accounted for a single touchdown. I mean, he needs he needs a, a confidence fill-up, you know? And it's going to be tough against TCU because, as you just stated, Gary is going to – I mean, he's probably studied every twist and loop and stunt that, that Alex Grinch ran and has it planned for, you know, this down and distance, that down and distance, and plus some, you know? So – I think it's going to be fun to watch that chess chess match. And if, if Sam Ellinger is special and capable of leading this team to uh, a really strong finish to the season, then we'll see that on Saturday. I have another question for you, Chip. What in the hell was he thinking going for it on fourth and two twice? And I mean, yeah. I, I mean that with all due respect for the head football coach of Texas. Okay, so – I mean, come on. I've got two I got two prongs to this answer, Bobby. A what are you doing taking the ball out of Sam Ellinger's hands and running stuff that you've already shown on film that people now know when there is a receiver in a two back set in in the game, okay, it's going to the receiver and they're probably going to the left. I mean, Devin Duvernay ran this against LSU. And now it's what? And then he ran it again, and now Jake Smith is in there, and it's all the same. I mean, there's got to be more creativity, and I mean, I get it. You're running behind Parker Braun and Sam Cosme, and you got a tight end in the game, whatever. You should be able to make those yards, but my God, Zach Shackelford got blown up by a linebacker. It got pushed right back into the play. It was dead before it even got going. I mean, they knew what was coming. The Everybody was coming for it. So that's my first prong. If you're going to go for it on fourth and two and put a banged-up defense in, the, in a bad spot, you better have some new wrinkles to your to your play. And then, I mean, it's like how he always ran quarterback power to the right. And everybody knows that. I mean, I've talked to coaches across – Different leagues are like, well, everyone knows Tom's going to run quarterback power to the right. Um, and if you can execute it like the Patriots, great. But that's that's not happening. I mean, they're, they're what, third worst in the Big 12 on fourth down. And then my second prong to this is before you just dismiss your punter as a touchback machine, incapable of punting from midfield and angling a punt out at, inside the five and, and pinning a team, why don't you give that guy a chance to do it before you just say, well, you know, I, I'm not into 19 yards of field position changing. Well, that happens if your punter's incapable. We haven't even seen him get a chance. So 
that's my second thing. I just don't think you put your your defense in that in that position. It, potentially, like, okay, what are the consequences if we don't make it? Oh, we're at the fifty. Kansas is thirty yards away from the red zone, and you know. So yeah, I'm not I'm not a huge fan. Um, and obviously against LSU, they had the play. Keontae dropped it, but um, you know they they can't just hand the momentum over to the other team, to a team like Kansas. Um, and you can't do it at TCU. That's the site of Tom Herman's worst loss at Texas. In 2017, they lost 24 to seven. Uh, so that's and you know they got to get that thing figured out. They got to go up to Fort Worth and start. Winning there again. Chip, you just brought something up that I, I just thought about as you were talking. Worst loss, 24-7, to 17-point loss. Compared to the tra- Charlie Strong era, oh, yeah. right. compared to the last part of one whole season for Mac Brown seemed to be a loss by 20 points or more. And then even going back to Makovic's Route 66 or David McWilliams in the Cotton Bowl. Um. Tom Herman can, seems to, to play the game close. And is that part of the problem here, too, is he, he's playing games too close instead of teaching his teams how to separate? You know, I, I, look, they lost to OU only by one score. Right. And, and so there's, there's value in that. I mean, Texas stops OU, they get the ball back. They would have had a chance to, to tie the game at least. Um, at the same time, does that same mentality, that keep it close mentality and not open it up mentality, and I'm not saying that's what he has, but it sure seems like it, they play that way sometimes. Uh, does that have a have a factor on like this Kansas game and and you know really what we see as a product on the field from week to week? Well, this is something I've noticed about Tom Herman teams. Um, you know, there's some. There's some head scratchers in there, right? Even at Houston, you know, the 13-1 season, the loss was to a terrible Connecticut team that the coach got fired at the end of the year. And then in year two, it lost to SMU and Navy and Memphis. And 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 there were there was some stuff going on, right? He was rumored for the Texas job and there was distraction in, in the locker room, whatever. And then this year, they're they're doing well against Oklahoma state and the two muffed punts that just killed them. And then, you know, you get to the OU game and, and the offense looks like it didn't even practice that week. And then, you know, at West Virginia, the offense was struggling. It wasn't until Delia Dayaway's interception that the spark came because they drove the length of the field. Dicker missed, it was like a 16 play drive and then Dicker missed the field goal. And it was the defense that got him going. And there were four turnovers, and three of them led to short field touchdowns for the offense. And then you get to the to the Kansas game, and the offense rolls the defense off to a, a decent start. They're up 14 nothing. You think it's going to be uh, a cruise. And and then, you know, the, uh, the fourth and two fails. Uh, Kansas scores momentum. For the Jayhawks, they start to believe their quarterback gets hot. He's making plays. The defense is, you know. Uh, nowhere to be seen. Nowhere to be seen. Defense got absolutely <laughs> I, I, there crushed. Were a couple of, 
<laughs> you know, there's there's un. But I want to ask you this. I want to ask you this. There's Bobby, open, and then there's uncovered. There, there were guys that were uncovered. I want to ask you this. You, you are you started this business. I mean, you are the recruiting guru. You started rivals with with Shannon Terry in in now twenty four seven sports. Unbelievable. Joseph Osai. This guy is unbelievable. I mean, if they would use him as the B backer, he'd be their best pass rusher by far. He'd be he'd have probably six, seven sacks by now, maybe more. Um, but they're using him at Rover, and so he's all over the place. One minute he's running twenty-five yards downfield, covering a slot receiver, and the next he's you know in the flat, covering a back or or occasionally they'll blitz them but you know if we're looking for ways to affect the passer and you have to you have, you have to are they no you say that but are they i mean no you have to they're not and you have to and why not stand him up where you had byron bonds last week and you know because I mean, you I don't guess. have anybody that can that can play rover otherwise yeah apparently he's out well i mean can B.J. Foster or Overshow not play that? Maybe not B.J. Foster with one arm. You know, I, I, I think I look. I hear you. Texas has major issues right now rushing the passer because none of their defensive linemen are innate pass rushers, in my opinion. I mean, they just they're just trying to all they're trying to do is hold their ground and make sure the guy doesn't get out of the pocket. The problem you when just rushing three and doing that, you have eight DBs or eight you know guys in the secondary. And that sounds good in theory. It it's not very effective when they don't know what they're doing because they're so inexperienced and so young that they're covering the wrong people. Or I mean, there was a play, the two point conversion against Kansas was oh, uh, it was brutal to watch as a as a, let a guy run. Imagine what I mean if you're the coach of those guys and you see that. You just don't even – I mean, I don't even know what you do with the film other than try to burn it because it, it was so ridiculously bad that it, it's, it was a shame. And so I think that I look at it from whether it's a personnel decision or there are certain things that are okay rushing three if you have the – personnel on the back end to okay when you don't you can't you can't give them 10 seconds to figure out where they want to go with the football you you can't let them try to make everything into you know a right i i just i feel like um that may be todd orlando's undoing right now and even maybe the head coaches too and that's the resistance to change and to try to force their kids in Orlando for his part, I think may have owned it a little bit from what you said earlier um, that you can't force guys to do something they they can't physically or know how to do. Um, instead, you got to figure out what they can do and, and try to emphasize that. So. I do think there will be a better team if they can get to the bye week and get, you know, guys healthy, I mean, they're a, they're a better defense, and it, to me, the killer is is Chris Brown being out because he's so physical and he's 
he's such a, um, you know, he's a smart player, he's an instinctive player. Um, Brandon Jones, when healthy, uh, and BJ Foster, those three make them a super physical defense. And when one, two, or in the Kansas game, final seven twenty one three are you know out of the game or limited, um, they're not the same defense. So this is a yeah. big test. This is a big test. They gotta they gotta survive this week and scratch out a win against a really well coached team that's probably gonna have all the chips in the middle of the table and 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 this is gonna be a good test for Tom Herman and his ability to connect with his coaches. He, he pretty much called out the defenses defensive coaches this week um you know we've got guys been in the program two three years they should be able to play man coverage and quarters coverage okay that's a total call out to the defensive coaches so um how well are they responding to that this week the players uh it's gonna be a really good you know barometer of just how close this team has gotten in adversity or not yeah, I I think uh, I, I I have you know I I kind of felt and, and I predicted that Texas would be a one score game with Kansas. And you did, kind of, and you deserve credit for that because you were on that from the beginning, and you said well, it all week. Yeah, but here's the issue, okay? That that I keep coming back to: bad teams play bad football, and right now Texas is a bad football team. Doesn't mean they're going to lose, though. I mean, bad football teams can win games. And, and Tom Herman is, that's what he did his first year at Texas. They were a bad team the entire year. And they still won, what, what do you go, seven and six? Um, I, I just, I would, I think that they're starting to get enough talent that hopefully they, they don't have to play bad football to, and win. You know, they can actually start, um, looking like a team that you know for parts of last year I, I felt they were starting to turn that corner yeah uh, and and you know i'm sure everybody did when you beat georgia in the in the sugar bowl so yeah and that, the win over iowa state was impressive last year they dominated absolutely. that game absolutely all right well listen I, I always love the the conversation i i love our uh horns 24 7.com family and discussion and and uh, and I look forward to it again next week, Bobby. All right. Hey, Chip, take care of yourself, bud. Yeah. All right. Great stuff from Bobby Burton, our man, the godfather, here at Horns247.com, the flagship podcast. Love that conversation every week. Is your child struggling with a specific subject or need help with homework? Are they asking questions that you're not sure you can fully answer? IXL Learning is an online learning program for kids. It covers math, language arts, science, and social studies. IXL is designed. This program will improve your kids' grades. Studies done in almost every state in the country. The kids who had IXL are consistently doing better. Powered by advanced algorithms, IXL gives the right help to each kid no matter the age or personality. And it doesn't have to eat up all your time. One subscription gets you everything for all the kids in your home, pre-K to 12th grade. So don't miss out. One in four students in the U.S. are learning with IXL. IXL is used in 95 of the top 100 school districts in the U.S. Make an impact on your child's learning. 
Get IXL now, and listeners can get an exclusive 20% off IXL membership when they sign up today at IXL.com audio. Visit IXL.com audio to get the most effective learning program out there at the best price. Knowing how to speak and understand a new language can be an invaluable tool when traveling, meeting new friends, or just even to master a new skill. But it's not always simple when you're bogged down by textbooks and structure classes. That's why so many people trust Rosetta Stone. Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program available on desktop or as an app. It truly immerses you in the language you want to learn, like Spanish, French, Italian, Chinese, and more. You won't just be studying English translations. The Rosetta Stone intuitive process helps you pick up a language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com rs10. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com rs10 today. We're joined now by the voice of TCU football, longtime voice, does an amazing job. Uh, the one and only Brian Estridge. Brian, how are you doing? I'm doing good, Chip. I mean, you know, if you're if you're following the Frogs, they just desperately need a way to figure out to win a game. I mean, it's one of those years where you're you've been awfully close. Uh, fans are kind of on edge, waiting to see what happens. You know, because I think this is kind of one of those seasons teetering on the brink, one way or the other, and that that makes for even more drama heading into Saturday's game against Texas. Well. If you ask Texas fans, that's what they experienced uh, <laughs> Saturday night against Kansas. Yeah, I mean, we we, uh, we got home uh, from Kansas State in time to watch the end of that one. And, yeah, I mean, that was a, an emotional roller coaster for Texas. And that's, you know, but games are, are difference makers, obviously, in, in, in fans' eyes, especially between good years and bad years, because no one's going to remember how that game ended uh, a month and a half or two months from now. They're just going to know, okay, at this point, we sit at, uh, you know, 10 and 1. Nobody cares that that one came down to, you know, a kick at the end against a Kansas team. And I think that's the same way for TCU. You know, they know right now that Kansas State game counts as a loss. No one knows that, hey, Kansas had to, Kansas State had to score over 250 to go to get the win at home. So, it, it, you know, it just kind of teetering right there on the border. I think that's a, a you know, I think that's a lot of uh, Big 12 teams right now trying to figure it out. Well, let's uh, let's get into the TCU Horn Frogs. Obviously, uh, there are some things that we're not really used to um, involving a Gary Patterson coached team. Um, first and foremost, a 500 record at this point. Um, but back-to-back losses—that's also a rarity. Both of them on the road at Iowa State and at Kansas State this past week. Um, your thoughts on those two games, first and foremost, how good are Iowa State and K-State and, and you know, what struggles was TCU having? You know, I think it, uh, it it's kind of been really all over the board for TCU. There have been some games where this offense has struggled to develop an identity chip, especially in the run game. Uh, there have been other games where this defense just has underwhelmed which is, as you said, not something we're accustomed to with the Gary Patterson team. Uh, Let's go to Iowa State first, and that one was one where, I'll be honest with you, walk away from it thinking, man, is Iowa State the better football team here, at least on that Saturday. 
they looked like it. They started fast. TCU didn't start real quick, kind of got in a hole. You know, at one point in the second half, they had the game cut down to 11, and Iowa State answered right back again with a with another score. They could never get over the hump. But, uh, you know, I think Iowa State's a pretty good football team. To be honest, I like what they're doing uh, defensively. Um, you know, I, I think that they have uh, improved the talent level immensely and, you know, he, he's, he's a good football coach. He's a solid football coach. They do a nice job in the special teams. You know, they, they're probably still an athlete or two away from being an elite team in college football, but they're they're awfully close. Kansas State, on the other hand, you know, you ask how good they are. I, I don't know that I can answer that. I, I, I think that uh, talent-wise, Iowa State's better. But I can tell you that Kansas State, uh, on the day the TCU played them, you know, pulled off a block punt. Uh, quarterback Skylar Thompson did all that he needed to do, especially running the football. Uh, you know, they were kind of smoking mirrors on the outside at wide receiver. Malik Knowles, uh, the one speedster that they have, was unavailable, really. I mean, he played a few plays in the in the second half, uh, but their defense did a good enough job. Uh, fans are always behind them there in Manhattan, of course. And so, but that was one where TCU, I think, walked away from going, okay, we let that one get away. Uh, didn't play our, uh, didn't give them our best shot to, uh, is what uh, we were hearing out of TCU faithful uh, and TCU players, I should say. And Iowa State, I'm not, I'm just not so sure that was the case. Uh, you know, I, I think Iowa State on that day, especially, uh, w- was better than TCU. So, you know, that kind of leads, as you said, with two in a row on the road. Uh, this team desperately needs to get home. A fragile football team uh, chip with some with some real leadership issues that Gary Patterson hasn't been hesitant to point out, uh, you know, some senior and upperclassmen leadership that hasn't been there. Some, some young guys that are having to play a ton of plays in some very important position, not the least of which is quarterback. And so, you know, I, I think it's one where the psyche is a little fragile. They, they need to, they need to get a win. You know, you, you, you know, you, you sit at three and three and you, you beat Texas and all of a sudden who knows what can happen. Uh, and I think that's kind of what the mindset is right now about around this program. Talking to Brian Estrich, the voice of TCU football. And Brian, it, man, there seems to be some similarities between Texas and TCU. Tom Herman this week kind of getting after his defensive coaches. And I know earlier in the year, um, it, it seemed like maybe there was a little tension between Gary and offensive coordinator Sonny Cumbie, I think, after the SMU game. What obviously it's tough with a true freshman quarterback like Max Duggan, who's who's showing some promise. But just talk about where things are uh, with Gary and Sonny and with this uh, this offense going through the growing pains of of having a true freshman quarterback. Yeah. And, and I think you may have touched on it. They're growing pains something that's going to happen with this team. But it, it's funny in that, uh, you know, Max has done a pretty good job. Hasn't thrown an interception. He, he's on track to set the school record for the, for the most um, attempts without an interception to start a young career. I mean, here's a guy that, uh, you know, has, has come in and run for over 100 yards last week uh, against Kansas State. You can tell that he's got a mastery of the offense, or at least is getting there. He knows where guys are supposed to be. Uh, he, he likes it when this team plays fast. You can tell that. As well, when they slow things down, Chip, I, I'm not so sure he's crazy comfortable there. He's a he's a son of a coach, but he's a freshman, uh, and 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 you're going against juniors and seniors in college who you know have played a whole bunch more football than you have. So there are going to be things that don't work out quite uh, like you. Here's the thing, though, and you know, Gary Patterson doesn't get out of your pants. You know, if you are on the field and you are playing, there is a level of expectation 
that Gary Patterson has for you. I mean, he is a perfectionist because he says if you don't demand perfection, you won't get great. He said if you demand great, you get good. If you demand good, you're getting that. You know, so, I mean, he's one of those guys that demands perfection. And so whether that's Sonny Cumbie or whether that's Max Duggan or whether that's Darius Anderson or whether that's his safety in his games or his defensive coordinator, Chad Glasgow, nobody's going to get a pass based on injury or inexperience or anything like that. And so I think that's where he has really coached them up hard on that side this year to start the season. So one of the things that happens, Chip, is that, you know, whether you're whether you're the defensive coordinator or a running back or a quarterback on, on this roster, you're not going to get a pass from Gary Patterson. He's going to demand perfection. That's just what he does. And so I think he'd like to see this offense, you know, develop that attitude as a running attack first, use some clock, slow things down, reduce the number of possessions. It's a formula that's worked for TCU in years past, and I think that's uh, that it's one that he's preaching with this group right now. And so I think that's why everybody. Uh, is uh, everybody is held accountable here at TCU. Talking to Brian Estridge, voice of TCU football. And Brian, just uh, again, some things that we don't quite expect from um, Gary Patterson coached defenses. Uh, you and I were talking a little bit earlier, and TCU has not forced a turnover in Big 12 play. Yeah, that's pretty amazing in the chip that they haven't turned it o- turned a, a team over yet, and and I, I don't know what that's from, and I think it, I get the sense that it's a little bit like free throw shooting. The more you talk about it, the less it's going to be a, a good thing. One of the things they've tried to do is they've tried to make it a priority in practice, but you know he talks about the fact that younger teams struggle in creating turnovers. They can't play as fast. They don't react as fast. They don't process as fast. And therefore, they've got they've got to kind of react to what they see in front of them. So when you're reacting to what you see in front of you, instead of reacting to what you are going to what you anticipate happening, you don't get there in time to create the interception or knock the ball loose and, and turn people over. And so, yeah, he's having to live with that right now. And I, I think it's very frustrating for him. I think it's becoming frustrating for this defense. Here, here's the other thing, Chip. One of the reasons why they're not creating turnovers. And you and I uh, talked about this before is you create turnovers by having pass rush. You know, when, when you when you speed up a quarterback, when you hurry his throws, when you force him to take a, a, accept that first read and not have time for to go through his progressions, that's when you can create turnovers. And this team's getting no push up front, no pass rush from the defensive ends, and because of that, they're not turning people over. Well, and who would give us, you know, for those who are going to be watching the game Saturday, 2.30, give us some names to watch of guys who have to have a big game on defense for TCU to win this game. Yeah, I think a couple of guys. I think you've got – I went the whole day last Saturday without calling O'Shawn Mathis' name. He's a defensive end. He and Shamik Blackshear are two guys that just aren't getting to the quarterback. And and you know the history here of defensive ends that have come through this program. If you want to go back to Jerry Hughes and Aaron Schobel to last year's combo with with, uh, a a guy like Ben Banigou who's now playing in the league and L.J. Collier was drafted in the first round. I mean, that's the history here. Uh, at TCU. Well, O'Shawn Mathis and Shamik Blackshear aren't living up to that history. Uh, and, and so I think those, those two guys have to create something uh, on the edge. They've got to do that. I think Ennis Gaines is, is a guy in safety that's got to create something. You know, he's a, he's a big physical player. 
but does he react quick enough? Does he anticipate the right way? I mean, I, I think that's something that's hurt him. And these two corners, which have been solid, Jeff Gladney and Julius Lewis, you know, get a handle the ball. Uh, yeah, they've, they've, Gladney's done a nice job of locking people down, but when they do throw your way, uh, you get a hand on the ball. Let's see. Let's see you try to create something that way. So I, that's just a couple of names defensively that I think that, that those guys have to do something if TCU is going to be successful against Texas. And uh, and offensively, obviously, there was a lot of there is a lot of firepower, and there was a lot of excitement coming into the season about Darius Anderson and and Jalen Rager, and Jalen Rager. You know, he's not in the top ten in the Big Twelve in in receptions, yeah. and obviously, a true freshman quarterback. I, I would assume that's where, you know, the struggles are getting the ball, um, you know, out of the quarterback's hands into Jalen Rager's hands. I think that's a fair assessment. I, I think you're right. I mean, I think there's one word when it comes to those two guys, Darius Anderson and Jalen Rager touches. They got to touch it. You know, I told you, I think the magic number for Darius Anderson is between 18 and 22. I think he's a guy that gets better the more touches he gets. He hasn't been getting that kind of number. When he was getting that kind of number, he put together back-to-back-to-back 100-yard games. And I think that's what it's got to be for Darius Anderson. He's got to touch the ball that many times. Then I think you're right, Jalen Rager, whether it's fly sweeps, whether it's verticals, whatever it is, he's got to have a number of touches. Now, I will say this, that Max Duggan looked his way a lot more on uh, Saturday against Kansas State, and I, and I think you're going to continue to see that relationship grow. And, you know, and I, and I think it's got to if TCU is going to be successful. But last week they got a couple of guys back, Tay Barber and Mikel Barkley. There were two speedsters on the edge that should help this offense. The offensive line has stayed intact. They haven't been injured. This is a group that should be the most athletic offensive line that TCU's ever had, ever had. That's what people are saying. Uh, and so they've got to be able to control some things as well. So I think for, for Darius Anderson and Jalen Rager, they've got to get plenty of touches. Max Duggan has to continue to take care of the football, and this offensive line has to be dominant up front, which they can be. Let's see him live up to it. Brian, uh, last thing with Brian Estridge, voice of TCU football. What? Give us a prediction of how you think this game plays out. You know, I think it's one of those where it's, going to depend uh, i'm just going to be candid with you chip i think it depends on the first 10 minutes of this game if texas jumps out to a big lead early on tcu i'm not so sure they have the firepower to overcome it i think what tcu though is going to if tcu is able to establish the run early against the texas offense that we have seen you know give up some yardage you know through the air as well if tcu can can uh, can get off to a good quick start I think that's a good sign for the Horned Frogs. And then I think they've just got to get the home crowd behind it. Being back at home, it's homecoming. They know they're going to be some Texas faithful here as well that have overpaid for ticket prices. Let them do it. Uh, you know, I, I think that's one of those cases where I, I think you've got to rely on your home field uh, and your home turf to carry you, uh, especially in the second half. And, and emotion, too. Let's face it. Uh, this is, needs to be an emotional football game for TCU. Their season's on the brink. And they've got to play like their season's on the brink. I know Gary Patterson will coach like it is, but if they play like their hair's on fire from the very beginning, I think they got a chance. And you were just telling us about uh, Jamie Dixon's uh, basketball, you know, the <laughs> midnight the madness. Thing. Yeah, on Friday night before the game, Shaquille O'Neal's in town. Uh, Shaq Diesel, the DJ, is going to be here to kick off the basketball season with Jamie Dixon's basketball program. Hey, there's another thing. Line him up at defensive end. Let's see how Texas reacts to that. You know, throw the jersey on the big fella, and let's see if that – there's a way that TCU gets off to a good start. You better believe that. Man, how about that? 
Um, there you go, Texas fans. Get to the basketball arena on Friday night. There you go, Shaq Diesel. Hey, Brian, you're the best. Look forward to seeing you Saturday, my friend. Call me anytime. Look forward to it, Chip. All right, Brian Estes, voice of TCU football. All right, Taylor. Taylor Estes, the uh, she's head of mission control at <laughs> Horns247.com. She runs the site. She keeps us all in line um, and tries to keep all the emotion to a healthy conversation on the um, flagship yes. message board at Horns247. We appreciate her so much. Um, okay, so... Taylor, let's uh, time for some tailgate takeaways here. What's on your mind? You know, I think for Texas going into this TCU game, this is probably not a quote-unquote fair um, comment, but it's it doesn't matter. It's just what needs to happen. In my opinion, for Texas to really be able to continue on a positive streak in Big 12 play and, and you know, come out with a win against TCU, the offense has to be – darn near perfect, honestly. And I know that's a lot to ask of the unit, but the reality is entering this season, the offense was always going to be the strength. All of the questions, for the most part, aside from you know injury at running back, but for the most part, all of the questions were on the defensive side of the ball. Well, it's kind of playing out and probably worse than what people expected because of how decimated the defense has been, especially in the secondary with injuries. So at this point, if this is truly the strength of the team, of Texas football in 2019, then it's got to come through. It cannot be making ill-advised or poorly executed plays such as, you know, going for it on fourth and two and failing and putting the defense in poor field position or turning the ball over and putting the defense in poor field position. I mean, that led to 28 points from Kansas. That can't happen. You know, Texas skated by barely, you know, escaped that game for by two points, that's not going to be the outcome against this TCU team, regardless if this is a quote-unquote down year for the Horned Frogs. It's just not going to be. So, you know, Sam Ellinger, the Texas offense, they have to rise to the challenge. Otherwise, you know, and help out the defense. The defense needs help. It's clear. Everyone knows it. The defense needs help. So it's time for them to answer consistently. Chip, what about you? I agree with you. I'm going to just kind of follow along on that because – Look, do does Todd Orlando need to do a, a great job of game planning um, and making sure that what he wants to do fits with who he has on the field to carry it out? Yes. Yes, it, absolutely. That has to happen uh, this week, especially against a freshman, true freshman quarterback in Max Duggan, who is going to be really good. He's a dual threat guy. He has not turned the ball over yet this season. Um, he's 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 showing signs of being uh, maybe the next Brock Purdy, uh, a guy who it, it could click for him. It, it could click this Saturday and suddenly, you know, Jalen Rager's getting the ball because he hasn't been. But the bottom line is this, Taylor. I agree with you. I mean, Sam Ellinger has a ton of reps with guys like Colin Johnson and Devin DuVernay, and we were we were reminded last weekend against Kansas when those two combined for 16 catches, and Colin Johnson had four receptions on the game-winning drive, and Devin DuVernay had the last reception to get it to a 33-yard field goal. 
we were reminded how important those guys are and how much the chemistry and trust that Sam Ellinger has with those guys, how important it is to this Longhorns team and how many times we've seen those two this season making plays that, that matter. And they're better. They are better than what Max Duggan is with whatever relationship he has with Jalen Rager and Darius Anderson and, and, you know, Shewo uh, Alana Lua. So, you know, this is, this is a game where Sam Ellinger has got to bring the energy and be the player leader in a hostile environment where Texas has struggled against a team that Texas has lost four of the last five and, and struggled for two and a half quarters against last year. Yeah. The final score is 31 16, but TCU was controlling that game until the middle of the third quarter when um, Keen Stearns intercepted a pass, returned it to the two and set up Texas for an easy um, score right after uh, the offense finally punched in a score. So they scored like 14 points in two minutes. Right. But, you know, that this is a game where Sam Elliott, it's not fair. We put it all on Sam, but guess what? That's what special quarterbacks do. That's what Heisman uh, trophy type quarterbacks do. They take over and they, they, they dominate when, uh, when they should dominate. And so, you know, this is a beleaguered TCU team right now, for whatever reason, young quarterback. Uh, I don't know. Maybe there's some disconnect going on with Gary and these players. They're not, you know, putting up the numbers you mentioned, you know, they're not turning people over as much. They're not, uh, getting sacks. A lot of similarities to Texas yeah, uh, seriously. in some situations. But, you know, again, I'm with you. I think this is a game where Sam Ellinger, Colin Johnson, and Devin DuVernay, and whatever combination of Keontae Ingram and Rashawn Johnson, uh, and Cade Brewer, you know, feed, feed the man. He, he showed you three catches, 71 yards, 51-yard reception. Come on. That's pretty feed good the average, man. for sure. It's pretty yeah. good average. <laughs> Come on. Throw it to 80. That's what he does. He makes contested catches. He makes hard catches. He was on Sports Center. Plays of the day in some fall or summer camp. Come on. Just saying. All right, Taylor, great stuff. Great stuff with Bobby. Can't wait uh, to do it again next week. Yeah, same to you, Chip. Thanks for listening to episode three of the flagship. And if you're not a member at horns247.com, come on, come join Taylor. Come join myself. Let's talk some Longhorns football. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.